Hello and welcome back to Portrait of an Editor. I am Francis Lombard. At New York Comic Con 2022, I reconnected with Heavy Metal's executive editor, Joseph Illich. We talked about George Perez's take on Scarlet Witch and Wonder Woman, the deaths that hit the industry in 2022, and the exciting future for Heavy Metal and its partnership with Whatnot Publishing, which launches in February. Enjoy! Joe, thank you for taking some time out of the craziness of uh, New York Comic Con 2022 Saturday afternoon. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks for having me. And hey, listen, you gave me a break. There's, there's so many scarlet witches in there I know, that I cannot keep count. And specifically, MCU Scarlet Witch. I saw I my first comic book Wanda today. Was it a classic or a George Perez gypsy? Uh, no, it's no. Oh, wow. See, you know your stuff. No one oh, was classic Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I've always, like, I've said this before on the podcast, I've always liked the Scarlet Witch. I think she and the Wasp are two of my favorite Avengers. I love the Avengers when the Wasp was leading them Absolutely. at times. So. And I grew up on the, I think it was, like, Michelini who was drawing it when Perez was illustrating it, right? Yeah. And you were dealing with, like, Wondagore. Um, the High Evolutionary. Yep. So I grew up on those books. I still remember Avengers 181, and it was like, I think something like only seven people here will remain, and they like had like 30 superheroes on the cover. Yeah, was that the one where the government's coming in or something? Yeah, yes. okay. Henry Peter Gyrich. Yeah, yeah, that, that was might a, have been his first appearance. George Perez, yeah, there was the government. Mm-hmm. And I think I always thought Perez's Scarlet Witch was amazing. It's it quintessential. So, yeah. And, like, and that's he, the definitive Scarlet Witch. And when he did the gypsy out like influence yep. I was like okay it's not a costume it actually makes sense because her costume the classic is a little silly to be honest yeah <laughs> I mean George God rest his soul was a really thoughtful storyteller yeah. you know and you could see that in the way he approached Wonder Woman when they relaunched it after Christ on Infinite Earths yeah, yeah. he was really thoughtful and it was similar to the Burn and Claremont relationship where George really ended up having a lot of input in story and ideas. Yeah, because of bringing in the myths and really playing those up that they were already there. Yep. But I felt she, whatever he did, because it's been a long time since I read that, is just, it was just you had to read it. Yeah. It was engaging. Where I never really felt she was engaging. She was an interesting character because of her creation and the mythological stuff for me. How you know, the Greek myths and everything. But what George did, what he added, sort of he had a character. Yeah, he, he recontextualized it yeah. visually and in character. And you know, me growing up. I mean, Wonder Woman was, of course, iconic and symbolic. Visually, the first time I found her interesting was when Jean Colin took over um, illustrating Wonder Woman. But after that, like George Perez, that was it. You know, he he will always be my favorite um, comic book artist. And back in the day when I deluded myself into thinking I was going to grow up and be a comic book artist, George Perez was one of the two inspirations. It was him and John Brown. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, this sort of year, I'm surprised New York Comic Con hasn't really done anything to acknowledge Neil Adams and George 
Corbin. And Cor yeah. we were talking about Richard Corbin last night. Yeah, I, I mean, just, that's... We had a lot of that's, loss. That's a problem. Tim Sale. One of the things we tried to do in Heavy Metal Magazine, and unfortunately we're losing so many of the greats that we can't keep up, is at least dedicate a page to yeah. each of them. And now we're going to have to dedicate a page or even more to Kim Jong-E. Yep. How yes, tragic exactly. is that? Yeah, I walked by his table. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. 47, 47 years old on his way here. Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. I just was, I was looking through the panels. I'm like, oh, geez, he had a panel right here. He had a whole panel, hour and a half for people. himself. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I don't want to, it sort of is a sad year, actually. It and is. I, you know, there's people coming up, but there are also these, like, dying at 47, having a heart attack. I don't know what exactly happened at Tim Sale, but he wasn't, like, you know, just out of the blue, he's in the hospital. That's right. And stuff like that. That's I, right. Just, it's been a rough year. So. It really has. It's, it's really impacted our industry and our community, and I think part of what's happening is we're starting to give our flowers to these great people more while they're alive. <laughs> and we're talking about an entire generation of artists that are not only um, visionary elders, but they're, you know, they're elders, right? They can get Social Security now. And, you know, some of them are very cognizant of, well, listen, how much time do I have left? How much time do I have left doing this? You know, I was at the Eisner's, you know, earlier this year, and Barry Windsor Smith's Monsters, which, my goodness, is just an amazing mm -hmm. piece of work that, you know, when Gary Gross spoke about the book, first off, I thought the book took 15 years to make. In fact, it took 30. And he announced that that was officially Barry Windsor Smith's last work in comics. Now, you think about that. Right? This is the guy to which, let's keep it real, Hugh Jackman in part owes his career to Barry Windsor Smith because Weapon X seminally influenced the X-Men film mythology and Wolverine that would be the platform through which Hugh Jackman could become known worldwide. The man's work is so influential. Thankfully, he's still with us, but Monsters is the end. That's the last we get of him. Think about that. Well, uh, pretty much he was working, started working on Monsters around the time I sort of thought, discovered who he was. Yeah. And whatever he was producing for Marvel at that point, a few X-Men, a couple covers every so often. Mm -hmm. he, had, he was working on that book, and now here we are, yeah. 30 years later. Yeah. And uh, I just, yeah. It's, I have not spent enough time looking at Barry Windsor Smith's art, but I Monsters, mean, I heard, is just... I mean, to go out like that, I mean, if that's going to be your last piece, that's you know, a no one's going to hold it against you. Absolutely not. That's, I was going to say, do you add some more? You know? That's the way you walk off the stage, and, yeah. you know, I just really think about a lot of these underappreciated geniuses. Esteban Moroto is still with us, amazingly talented. When I first came on Heavy Metal, and we were relaunching Tarna, his um, Amethyst, Princess of Gen World yep. miniseries yep. from the 80s, that was my North Star in terms of how I thought about Tarna. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Heavy, I remember heavy, reading that a lot. Heavy inspiration. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why, why would a character that 
I mean, what was it that character for you that stuck with you? Because she never really set the world on fire. She comes back every so often, but there was just, I think, it, the design and sort of the ideas behind it and a fantasy element different than superheroes. That's why I sort of checked it out. But I didn't last long, and no one really, you know, she sort of just faded away. But what was what resonates with you? For Amethyst? Yeah, Amethyst, that you would bring it, bring yeah. her to try to, like, use whatever was there to influence what you were doing for Tarna? Well, what happened was, in the mid-80s, you know, we had a real paradigm shift in superhero comics. Like, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Dark Knight, Watchmen, DC became the number one company in comics. I grew up, you know, I'm a kid of the 70s, so my friends used to say DC stands for dumb comics, and Marvel comics were cool. But there was a shift that happened, and suddenly DC was the most innovative um, producer of superhero stories. And so putting someone like Esteban Moroto on Amethyst then takes that potential of Amethyst and it draws it out and it makes you see it as something more mystical and fantastic, right? So that's what it was. You know, I knew about Amethyst before that. It was it was Moroto that got me to really think about the grandeur of the character in a different way and think about her in the same way that I would think about, you know, the animated fire and ice and the work of Ralph Bakshi, right? Um, so that was the thing. So again, you know, thinking about Tarna, thinking about, you know, science fantasy, thinking about elegance and grandeur, you know, I had to think about Moroto. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So speaking of heavy metal, um, you're having some changes. I saw your panel, was it two days ago? Or yes. An eternity yes. ago? Yes. <laughs> At Comic-Con, all time congeals and yeah, snatches no. together. Yeah, the panel was on Thursday. It was great. We were able to announce our partnership with Whatnot Publishing, yeah. which is great because, you know, they will be dealing with operational aspects, you know, when you're talking about distribution, fulfillment, um, marketing solicitations. So they will be working with us as a partner on that, and that will allow us more time to focus on the creative. And what really excites me is that the WhatNot guys love comic books, right? So they very much love not only the legacy of heavy metal, but heavy metal as a magazine, as a publication. Yeah. And so the bringing together of the two companies, you know, the commemorating of that with the relaunch of Heavy Metal 1, which will be the first Heavy Metal number one in 46 years, mm -hmm. that's really going to be like an adrenaline shot for the existing heavy metal and we're going to get even crazier and we're going to, you know, have whatnot bring some of their craziness into Heavy Metal Magazine, so it's going to be a really good collaborative effort. Um, the first issue is going to be $9.99, so we're slashing $5 off of the price point, so Heavy Metal number one can be a really good entry point for new people and a re-entry point for the people who have really stuck with us because of the legacy of the world's greatest illustrated magazine. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. And and, you know, we need more partnerships like that. This is a really, it's a really interesting time in the comic book industry, right? Because 
there's never been so many comic books. Yes. But also, our market goes through such changes that companies in and of themselves, it's hard to do everything. Yeah. Right? So with Heavy Metal having this partnership with whatnot, that's an operational partner as well as a partner in spirit. Right? And I kind of think of it similar to a relationship that goes back to, you know, my beginning in the comic book industry with Milestone Comics and DC Comics, where Milestone created the content and owned the content, but DC acted as, you know, publisher and handled distribution and in that way allowed Milestone to focus on the content. So it's kind of wild, like 29 years later, what's going to be 30 when we debut 30 years later to be working along a similar paradigm. But the only thing with like what happened with Milestone and DC is that there was a disagreement on the creative end with what... Um, Static 25. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's sort of... So yes. I, view, I guess that's probably something very... We you know with Dwayne McDuffie moving ahead on what Paul Levis pretty much said, no, I'm not really interested in doing. Yes. Are you guys address that issue and your relationship as you with whatnot of like you well, know. The, yeah we're totally in sync yeah, okay. we see things the same way and whatnot believes in what heavy metal stands for okay and part of what heavy metal stands for is going into the territories that no other publisher will so it's really different from dealing with superheroes right because with superheroes there are places you don't want to go. You know, the issue around Static 25 was about the depiction of black teen sexuality, right? And some people may see that as controversial, even though that's a natural part of our lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but heavy metal lives in the realm of controversy. Yeah, that's another. The next question I was going to ask, when my experience at Humanoids, I heard plenty of stories of the launch of Metal Erlant, which had a huge relationship with heavy metal, basically. Oh, of course. You know, yes. Sort of the American. But these guys, we were talking about punk music at one time, and they were saying, you know, Metal Erlant sort of had a punk attitude. And it was during a time of upheaval, social upheaval, questions of what's going on, a lot of the issues that we're still dealing with now. Now, climate, uh, interrelationship, the nuclear bomb, everything was there and now we're still dealing with it. And these guys were pushing the envelope. I understand there's probably a bit of more, when you look at someone, it could be considered sexist, but it was pushing the envelope. They were right. questioning, they were saying what the medium was capable of doing, or capable of handling, yes. really. Yes. And going, and we're going to see how far it goes. All right, with this relaunch, do you think you're going to get a little more radical in a way with ideas? What science has? Because, you know, you talk about science fiction, you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and what how that influenced that show. You can see its influence throughout the world now. Yes. And people are like, oh, it's woke. Well, where you where were you since 1965? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. You know, Gene Roddenberry was always painting the portrait yeah. of a better society yeah. than the one that we live in. So, science fiction pushing the envelope and asking the questions and presenting people in 
combinations of people, different kinds of people in situations, and et cetera, et cetera, has always been there. Yes. Will heavy metal have that too? Will you guys, does this allow you to sort of look at your editorial approach and revamp it for what we need today? Right. You know, the edit, you know, as the executive editor, I'm going to try to be as objective as possible and say, you know, our approach is one to invite distinctive visions, distinctive creators. That's why we have Christopher Priest working with us. That's why we have Mark McCann working with us, um, having Stephanie Phillips, you know, relaunch Tarna, you know, with us. We are always thinking about, first we're thinking about story and art. You know, Heavy Metal is the world's greatest illustrated magazine, so you're talking about distinctive art. That's always first. But then the narrative is what's going to keep you there, and so we want people that are going to push perception. What Christopher Priest is doing with Entropy right now is pushing your perception on the idea of what happens when you take an ordinary person and you give them extraordinary power, right? So it's not going to be a revamp, but I'm going to call it like an injection. Yeah. It gives us it gives us more motivation to even get more insane. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I think that's what I'm really yeah. asking. You're gonna that, bring so the insanity we, and wild ideas. Yeah. You know, and up a, a you know a number of levels or something. <laughs> and what we definitely want to do too is we really want to have more short stories. One of the great things about heavy metal is sometimes you would get a two pager. You would even have what was it? I think Jeffrey Catherine Jones used to do one pagers. Mm -hmm. You know, before Jeffrey Catherine Jones was Jeffrey Catherine Jones and was Jeffrey Jones, right? Would do like a one pager. So. We really are inviting creators with short stories that are already done that they feel are too crazy for most other publishers and that are science fiction, fantasy, and horror. We'd love to see them. You know, one of the great things about being here at New York Comic Con is I've just seen people that are definitely going to be in heavy metal in 2023. So you've been working the con, I guess. You're here to working. To a degree. I what was your agenda for the con, I guess? You know, honestly, my agenda for the con was getting to see people. It was getting to see, like, all my friends and comics, and there are people that I have relationships with exclusively through social media, so I got to meet them and shake their hands and support them, and so it was really the camaraderie that brought me here, and, you know, I have a few panels here, and part of the reason I love doing panels is because that's an opportunity to really communicate with the audience. Honestly, I'm actually doing one on Sunday, which is editors, portfolios, pitching, and professionalism, right? And these are important things for people wanting to get into comics to know. And so basically, you know, we're going to give them like their first guide to how to do that. So it's really about communication. It's really about the camaraderie. But of course, I have the benefit that there's Artist Alley here. I get to see creators that I've known for years, but I also get to meet new creators and discover things that they have that they're not necessarily posting online, but maybe personal pet projects that I could say, hey, is that done? We'll publish it. Mm, nice. you know? so, really open-minded, looking for something that just 
you know, whatever. I mean, how do you decide you want to publish one of these short stories? Is it a gut reaction of what's there, and does it fit like what you're trying to the sensibilities you're trying to and tone your setting, and it has been set over the last forty plus years right. of heavy metal? Uh, is that what you how you look at? It these is short a stories? gut thing. I think you know you see it. And you say, okay, that's not what I usually see in comics. I want that in our magazine, right? Now, of course, there's a story. It's reading the story. Um, there's one artist that sent me a five-pager, and so I've asked him to massage some of the dialogue. But other than that, that story is going to be in heavy metal. And, you know, one of the things that, and we know this, is that a lot of these artists are writers. You know, artists are storytellers, and when they take a script and they, t you know, evolve the storytelling to the next level, in a number of ways, they're also the co-writer. And so a lot of these artists have the natural inclination to write stories that they illustrate. So because of that, Again, we're getting just like pure, raw, creative vision. And the thing is, science fiction, fantasy, and horror, those are three genres that a lot of people love. And so they have their own personal stories, right? I mean, listen, there's a number of people that they will tell you, you know, I have one Batman story. If I get to tell the one Batman story, I'm good. I'm done here. Yeah. But there are a lot of people... They don't have a Superman story. They don't have a Spider-Man story. But they do have a Game of Thrones. They do have a Psycho. They do have something that would scare the piss out of you. Right? That's what we want to see. Yeah. Now, getting a little deeper into it, when you, especially when you're saying artists are writers too, there's a school of thought out there that I've heard that you really can't take advantage of the medium if you can't draw. Right. And, you know, some people are like, the only real people who ever push the medium are writer-artists or whatever. People right. who are able to do both and right. are, accompli are accomplished at the same level as their, you know, drawing skills match their writing skills. Well, I don't know if those people have heard of Alan Moore yet. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just wondering, yeah, do you feel, don't really believe in that, that you can have a collaborative, because comics are collaborative. Uh, yeah. I heard that, I don't know how many times in panels, but, but still there's that thought that, you know, if you're a better producer of comics if you can draw too along with writing or vice versa well it's interesting Neil Gaiman to my knowledge yeah. cannot draw as well as P. Craig Russell yeah. or Mike Drinnenberg or Sam Keith or J.H. Williams III yeah. all these people that have worked with him on Sandman um, but it still turns out alright <laughs> exactly but if you're a writer that has a collaborative mindset if when you know who you're working with, you work to their strengths. If you work with them in a way where you invite their reinterpretation, then you're a collaborator and then you're making an impact because you're providing something that inspires an artist, right? So 
the idea that a writer that does not have artistic skills cannot and has not made impact in the comic book industry, it's ridiculous, right? And I feel like what we have to get away from are these narratives that pit the writer and the artist against one another. And we just have to embrace the idea that both are contributing, but honestly, since comic books are sequential art, and the first aspect that anybody recognizes is the art, we have to respect and acknowledge the different layers of storytelling that the artists are bringing to the table. Gotcha, gotcha. So, when Heavy Metal launches in January... February. I mean, February. We're going to take a skip month. Okay, you're doing a skip month. Yeah, we're going to inhale and exhale, okay, and then Heavy Metal 1 will be February 2023. Okay, February, and it's going to be $9 a night. $9.99, yep. Is it going to maintain its monthly schedule? Yes, it will. Okay. And how are you doing with that? Is that, I mean, that's it. You just doubled your workload all of a sudden. Well, listen. <laughs> and, and, you know, listen, it's honestly been a rough year. It's been a crazy year for the industry in general. Yeah. And because of that, it was more important to have a publisher, like, whatnot, really aligned with us. Because that way, again, we can totally focus on the creative. And by focusing 100% on the creative, we can more robustly co create content. Just the same way, whatnot will more robustly be able to deliver the content than we could, right? So 2023 is going to be a year in which we can really maintain that monthly schedule all the way through. But I will say, since this new team has come on board with issue 300, we have produced more yeah. issues of heavy metal in a certain amount of time <laughs> than heavy metal did in decades. So is there, I know this is like asking you which child you love more. <laughs> is there a special uh, story in uh, the new, in February's re-release that you're looking forward to, I don't know, setting loose on the world? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I am excited about a story that we're launching called Ram God which deals with entertainment and corporations and we bring in the element of crowdfunding and was created by Morgan and Owen Rosenblum um, and it's an interesting spin on the commerce of entertainment and what happens when the people fund the entertainment, right? Um, and so that's going to be really interesting. And that's something I haven't quite seen that tackled in the way that the creators are doing it in the story. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're having Ben Templesmith um, come and illustrate a story. And this is courtesy of Whatnot that's going to debut in Heavy Metal number one. Um, we're going to have some beautiful covers. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you how many. It's probably it's going to be the most amount of covers we've ever had for an issue of Heavy Metal. And again, that was part of the synthesis of thinking between Heavy Metal and whatnot. So that's going to be really exciting. And so, yeah, you know, um, I think you'll definitely see the same kind of diversity of aesthetic in different stories. No two stories are going to look alike or feel alike. And we're going to have some new short stories in there. Uh, I get really excited about the short stories. Just like these little bite-sized doses of narrative that really 
highlight what makes this magazine special. Nice. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you very much for thank you. giving me some time during the con. Hey, listen, <laughs> it was a break from the madness, so thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. It's fresh air and sunshine and there you go. contact high outside. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I am catching the whip of something. People having some fun out here during their breaks. Awesome. So thank you and have a great rest of the show. You too, you too. See ya.